Good morning. <clears throat> the Old Testament reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 1062. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the peoples, and will dispute, settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And the New Testament reading is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. In your pew Bibles, it's on page 1539. The day and the hour are unknown. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Here ended the reading. May the Lord write these words upon our hearts with love and with understanding. Amen. Let us pray together. Loving God, meet us here in this place. May our hearts be turned toward you and may you fill us up to overflowing by the power of your Holy Spirit. Prepare us, O Lord, for your coming. May these four weeks of Advent be a time of deep spiritual renewal for each one of us. And may our worship be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I noticed something in my email this fall. In September, September, I was getting emails from retailers, Amazon, Walmart, Kohl's. I don't even know how Kohl's got my number. I don't think I've ever been in a Kohl's in my life. Barnes and Noble, everybody's sending me emails to not miss the Black Friday deals. 
in September. Almost every email, you notice how they, they kind of, they try to hook you in. My Christmas could be affected if I didn't pay attention to the Black Friday sales. In September, I was getting these emails. That is the earliest that I've gotten emails about Black Friday. Two months out, telling me to watch and wait for Black Friday sales because Christmas was coming and I need to get those Black Friday deals. All around us, the world is rushing headlong to Christmas. I've been in my office and our esteemed church trustee chair has come along and serenaded me with Christmas songs. And you know what I say? Bah humbug. <laughs> the church gives us these four weeks of Advent as the world around us is rushing, is busy. As you're getting, just like I'm sure I am in, in your email and on television and perhaps from family and friends, you're getting bombarded already with the busyness of Christmas. The church thinks this is a good time to stop and watch and wait. And we say, church, what are you doing? We've got to get ready for Christmas. We can't miss those coals. Buy 10, get 50 free sales deals. So one of you is going to have to explain to me what Kohl's is afterward. Because I get their emails, I don't quite know what it is. It's a store, I know that, but that's about it. The church says, stop, watch, wait. And it can be so difficult for us, good Christian church-going folks, to heed that message of Advent. To stop, to watch, and to wait. How many of you already feel in your spirit that the frenetic nature of Christmas, of getting ready for the holidays? How many of you are already anticipating all that you have to do, all the preparations, everything that must be done before Christmas? And in the midst of all that, the church says, stop, watch, and wait. Here on the first Sunday of the new Christian calendar year, as I mentioned last Sunday, Advent rings in the new year for us in the Christian calendar. One thing that you will learn about me is I am a firm believer in the Christian calendar year because it anchors us in the ultimate reality and hope in this person of Jesus Christ. Time becomes about him and what he has done for us, not about us. And the church reminds us at the beginning of Advent, and if you notice, I'm sure with the readings that Nelson offered for us, they aren't very Christmassy sounding, are they? There's the prophet Isaiah talking about a future and the establishment of the Lord's house on this mountain to which all the people and all the nations will flock to worship. And war will be no more. People will have learned peace and harmony. Justice will prevail. And the reading from Matthew about the day or the hour of the coming again of Jesus Christ. And yet all around us, we see the beautiful green, we see the Christmas tree in the manger, and we think, these seem incongruent, don't they? How does one relate to the other? 
Advent reminds us really, and I want to focus on this this morning, of three comings of Christ. Three comings. Now the four weeks of Advent leads us up to the manger. Hector pointed out in the children's time that uh, the figurine of the baby Jesus isn't there yet. We're not to Christmas. We're being led there. We hear every week a piece of the story that takes us to the manger. We hear the prophets who foretold of a Messiah. In a couple of weeks, we'll hear of John the Baptist who prepared the way for Christ. We need those pieces of the story to make sense of what is happening here in this event that we celebrate on Christmas. So Advent readies us to remember anew and in a fresh way the first coming of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God into the human experience to save and redeem us from our sin. There's another kind of coming that Advent pauses and causes us to think about, and that is this, that Jesus Christ wants to come into your life this day and every day. And are you willing to receive him? Have you received him? Have you opened your heart up to the king of the universe and said, yes, I am yours? And then every day, are you making that decision to open your heart up to Jesus Christ and say, yes, I am yours? Christ wants to come into your life and everyone's lives every day. And Advent reminds us of that truth. And Advent also tells us, reminds us, of the truth that we confess that one day Christ will come again to set everything right. Injustice, evil, oppression, war, conflict, strife, bigotry, hatred, all of those things will wash away under the justice and the mercy of Christ. We live in the midst of those three comings. The first coming that by which we mark time, don't we? We, we still here in Western civilization mark time by Jesus coming into the world, the first coming. So we live between that and the second coming. And yet in the, in the midst of living between the first and the second coming, Christ wants to come into our lives each and every day and come into the lives of those who do not yet know him. So friends, for us, the question is, what are we doing? How are we preparing for all that Christ wants to do? Advent gives us certain watchwords in this season. And you picked up on a few of them today. I want to pull something out from Isaiah and something out from Matthew that I hope helps us understand what it means to live in light of the comings of Jesus Christ. First from the prophet Isaiah, writing in a time where the Babylonian Empire is about to swoop in and carry them away into slavery. Isaiah looks into the future and he sees a day where there's a mountain. Now when you come to the Old Testament, when you find a mountain, that should be cause for us and for our ears to perk up. Because something important is happening. Where does Moses get the law handed down on the the tablets? Mount Sinai. 
Where does Elijah do battle with the false prophets of Baal? On Mount Carmel. There's a mountain. The mountain of the Lord. The prophets talk about this over and over again. And it's this understanding that one day, one day, all the injustice in the world will be made right. God will reign. Relationships will be perfect among people and people's relationship with God. God will be in his rightful place. Humanity will be in theirs. The mountain of the Lord. And Isaiah looks ahead, talks about that and what that will mean for all people. And yet he can offer that in the midst of a people who are about to be overtaken. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? You may not have a a superpower swooping in to take you into slavery, but I bet you know what it's been like to be held captive by sickness, by illness, by hatred, by joblessness, by financial ruin. And yet even in the midst of the, that shaking of those foundations, the upending of everything they knew, Isaiah can look ahead to a day. And God himself would come down to earth and make everything right. And we know that begins when God comes into the world and Jesus Christ is born. And it will find its ultimate fulfillment one day when Christ comes again. Oh, the the peace and the trust and the faith to be able to stand in the midst of conflict, of uncertainty, of captivity, and to say there's a day coming when the mountain of the Lord will be established and all nations will flock to it. See, somebody can say that whose greatest good, whose highest goal in life is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Friends, we talk about Jesus as Savior a lot and that's important. Jesus does save us from our sins, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus wants to be Lord. He wants to be the mountain established in our lives. Isaiah is talking metaphorically here. He knew that Jerusalem and the the temple was not the literal highest place in the world. He's talking about what's the highest good? What is it that you worship? What do you give your ultimate allegiance and your best self to? And then a day would come when for the entire world, It would be God. It would be Yahweh, the Lord. But that should cause us pause now as we live in between the first and the second coming as Christ wants to come into our lives every day and work in and through us. What mountain is established in our lives? All of us are worshiping something. Now I know in this day and age where Whatever's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is fine seems to be the modus operandi of the day. But that stands in stark contrast to what we find in Scripture, which is that Jesus Christ is either Lord or He's nothing at all. You can't have it both ways. Jesus can't be the the highest good, the mountain of our lives on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday it's something else. 
Jesus Christ is the mountain in our lives or he's nothing at all. So here as we live in between the first and the second coming, Advent tells us to stop and take spiritual inventory to ask ourselves, what is it that we worship? What is the mountain to which we give our best worship and praise? What is the thing or the person in our lives, if it's other than Jesus Christ, to which we are devoting our very best self? be an uncomfortable question, can it? And yet, in the, and then we find in the book of Matthew, we find another word for Advent, which is to watch. All these words that invite us to slow down, to look around, to take stock of what is happening in our lives and the world around us. Such in stark contrast to the busyness of the season. And yet, we're called to watch, to watch. There's this motif in the Gospels again and again. We find it especially strong in Matthew and Luke, where Jesus exhorts his followers to be ready, to watch, to make preparation. And what we find in that language, what Jesus is communicating, is a sense of spiritual urgency. Spiritual urgency. We find what Paul says in Ephesians, and he says it also in the book of Romans. Awake, you who sleep. Rise from your slumber. Christ will give you light. To be asleep is a sense of spiritual deadness, and that is not a good thing. We're to watch, be vigilant, be awake. Make preparation. Be spiritually vital. Because none of us know the day or the hour. We don't know the day or the hour when Christ will return. Neither do we know our own days and hours. And so all through the Gospels, we find this sense of spiritual urgency, of being ready, of taking inventory, of asking ourselves, what is it that we worship? What is it that we love? What is it to which we have given our allegiance and our best selves? Is it God made known to us in Jesus Christ, or is it something else or someone else entirely? Watch, wait, take inventory. Friends, in these four weeks of Advent, I really believe the church gives us an opportunity, a gift, to be countercultural, to slow down, to wait, to watch, to ask the Lord, Lord, I open myself up to you. Show me in these four weeks as I prepare to receive the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ again. Work in me, show me the places in my spiritual life that need refining or renewal, that need to be expunged entirely. It's a season of preparation, 
as we watch and wait. And I encourage you, as we live between the first coming and the second coming, to you, to every day, say yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said yes to him before. I invite you to do that this morning. Find me or find somebody else. Say yes to Jesus and then say yes to him every day. Because he wants to sanctify you wholly and entirely. To form you into a disciple. Someone he can use. Someone that he can impact the world through. And we live that in between the comings. And we watch. And we wait. And we make preparation. So that Jesus Christ can work in and through us. That the world around us can see the hope that can only be found in him. May that be our Advent journey. Amen.